Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. As I've mentioned many times, it always amazes me how Paul had to write, and of course by inspiration of God, he had to uh, write so many things about how it is that we ought to behave ourselves as the people of God. Just because we're born again, just because we have a new nature, just because old things are passed away and all things are become new, doesn't mean that we're still not sinners. And we have so many things to learn. And then so many of those things that we have learned, and maybe we had it really, that was an aspect of our life that we were really good at in following the Lord. And as we get older, sometimes we begin to slip and we have to be reminded of how we ought to be. And I just want to look at one thought here uh, in this passage that Paul brings out, and that is overcoming evil with good. Uh, verse 17, Romans 12, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Notice it's your enemy. Those are strong words. Uh, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If your enemy thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil. And this is our main verse I want to focus on. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It seems like there's a battle there, right? Evil is trying to overcome us. And there's a way, there's several ways, but this is a way in which we can overcome evil that comes to us at the hands of other men. This is speaking about not recompensing evil for evil. This is not about avenging ourselves. This is not about a battle against the devil and so forth as far as a spiritual battle against things we cannot see. But this is living peaceably with all men. This is how to deal with our enemies, our known enemies. And then it says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. The first thing that we have to recognize here is that we can be overcome of evil as Christians. We can lose battles. We aren't going to lose our salvation. We're not, but we can lose battles. There are periods in our life where we can be overcome of evil. And sometimes those times where we are overcome can last longer than other times. There are times when we're overcome by evil. It could take years to overcome it. Maybe it'll take months to overcome it. It could take a week to overcome Something that happened to us at the hands of other people. How is it that we can become overcome of evil? Well, in this context, the main subject is being addressed is vengeance, violence, payback, revenge. The way in which we respond, in which we respond wrongly, is when we're overcome of evil. When we don't respond the way that we're supposed to, we were just overcome by evil. Now, do any of you ever experience that? <laughs> Where you are going through your day, and maybe it's a seeming, it might even seem like a small thing. It's not a major thing. Um, but uh, um, we realize 
we messed up. I just messed up. I just answered that person the way I shouldn't have answered. I just said something I shouldn't have said. I just threw that tool and almost hit that employee, Darren, because <laughs> I could speak from personal experience. But um, we do things. We say things. We, we are overcome of evil sometimes in a small way, almost on a daily basis. But we are not to be overcome. We don't have to be overcome of evil. And in the passage, it's talking about, but overcome evil with good. Think about that. When is the last time you overcame something, overcame evil at the hands of other people, that you actually overcame it with good? How did you do that? If you could think of a time when you did, or do we fail actually a lot at this? Because if you're trying to think of the last time I overcame evil with good, hmm, I don't know. I can't remember. You know, if that's where we are, we need to stop and think about this a little bit. Evil is done to us in so many different ways by so many different types of people. It's not always our, what we would think of as our enemies. Um, it can be strangers, but family. How many times is some of the biggest struggles that we have both spiritually or even just maybe they're not saved, but they, they attack in different ways. They say things, their behavior, um, they're trying to undermine us um, at the hands of family, uh, co-workers, friends. Friends so many times say the most hurtful things, don't they? And what about Christian brothers and Christian friends? Those really hurt. And so... Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A lot of times it's the things people say, the false accusations, or the things people do. Theft. What happens when someone steals something from you? You know, I mean, we really want to uh, get some, that's when you want payback, right? Um, there's betrayal. There's all kinds of different things that can happen. If we respond, what I want to do tonight is I want to look at some individuals in the Word of God and how they responded and how they overcame evil with good. But if we respond, before I get into looking at them, if we respond incorrectly, we can damage our testimony. Yeah. And when we damage our testimony, we've been overcome by evil. That is, to me, that's one of the most important things when we're out there, when we're dealing with our friends, when we're dealing with our family, when we're dealing with our employees, our enemies, our coworkers, you name it. Um, our testimony should be at the top of the list of what we are concerned about. Because our desire is supposed to be that we want to see people saved. Yes. We want to see our enemies saved. Right. We want to see our coworkers saved. We want to see our family members saved. But when they do things to us and we do not behave the way that we're supposed to behave and we say the things that we should not say, we've been overcome of evil. And our testimony is damaged. Our testimony should be so precious to us. Do you value your testimony? How much do you value your testimony? 
What you say, what you do, how you behave, your attitude, and all these things. This should really cause us to be concerned when we don't respond correctly. And so let's, let's consider first Joseph. We just looked at Joseph. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 50. We looked at Joseph in Sunday school uh, in our series under 35. In fact, he was the first person that we, we looked at. But what a great example of someone who was able to overcome yeah. evil. Evil. Yeah. He overcame evil multiple times in his life with good. Um, he was sold to the Egyptians. I don't have to go over too much of this in detail, but he was sold to the Egyptians. Well, actually, he wasn't sold to the Egyptians. He was sold to some Ishmaelites who were even more enemies to the people of Jacob than um, the Egyptians. So his brother sold him to the Ishmaelites who then sold him to the Egyptians. What a betrayal. Imagine that. They threw him in a pit. And then how they uh, treated Jacob's or uh, Joseph's father in all of this also, lying to Jacob. And then when he went into Egypt, he was working as a servant. He was doing what he was supposed to. He was um, overcoming evil with good. He was dealt a, a bad hand, if you will, but he refused to let that affect his testimony. He refused to uh, let that... Um, uh, affect how he served God. And so he just served God regardless. And so he was a yes. great servant to these heathen uh, masters of his, uh, Potiphar. And in doing so, he was falsely accused of a crime and imprisoned for years. In his mind, he had, he had no idea if he was ever going to get out of prison. But he overcame evil with good. It did not affect his testimony one bit. No matter what he was, no matter what he went through, he just continued to have God as his focus. Mm -hmm. And it was revealed in our series how he just constantly looked to God. And if we just constantly look to God, we can overcome evil with good. Yeah. He trusted God in all of his situations, knowing that God was in control. And that his God, he served a great God. And, uh, oh, and uh, he praised his God. Um, and gave credit to his God. And we saw that in our Sunday school lesson when he was um, dealing with uh, different people. He did not live for the day <clears throat> when I was in prison. And there were people in there that felt that they were wrongly, they were done wrongly. And so many people are so bitter, they just spend their years. They can't wait till they get out. So that whoever falsely accused them, the judge that put them in there and gave them too much time, their public defender that represented them wrongly, they're so full of bitterness and hatred, they just sit there and while away the years. Just wait, they can't wait to get some payback. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joseph wasn't like that. Yeah. Joseph did not live all his years in prison just hoping. What gave him hope was that someday he could repay Potiphar and his sorry wife. He didn't hang on to this thread of vengeance and just knowing that someday he was going to go back and take it out on his brothers. He didn't live like that. He didn't let that bitterness eat him up. And so what was his response years later when he had, had the power? He had the ability to completely destroy his brothers after his father died. Yeah. He had all the power in the world. He could have gone after Potiphar. and He could have wiped out Potiphar's entire family. He could have done, he could have done whatever he wanted. 
I don't think it ever even crossed Joseph's mind to go after Potiphar or his wife. It didn't even cross his mind. Um, and so, but he had the power to do so. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. We're very familiar with this passage, but let's read this. It says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Now, the reason that they think this is because this is what people do. Right. <laughs> I mean, if, you have, if you're second in command in the nation and you have the ability, of course you're going to get payback. It, they knew it was coming. And so they were very fearful. That's human nature. And they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say to Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of thy father. Notice how, boy, this is the servants of the God of of Jacob. Um, And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? That's something that you and I need to get a hold of. If we are not going to be overcome of evil in dealing with other human beings, we have to recognize, I'm not in the place of God. This isn't my business. It's not my business to make sure that they get what they have coming to them. It's not my place to respond and cut them down and make sure they know exactly how wrong they are or, or whatever it is. That's not my place. And so he says... Am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear not. And note, here's, is he not doing good? Has he not already done good unto them? Yeah. He overcame evil by doing good throughout his life. And he did good when they came to him the first time when his father was alive. He did good throughout his whole life, and he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. He says, he doesn't just spare their life, but he blesses them. He says, thou therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. So not only am I not going to kill you, I have every right to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. In fact, I'm not just going to let you live and go out there and fend for yourself. In fact, I'm going to take care of you. Uh, I'm going to nourish you. That, that's, a, that's a little bit, that's kind of a, a special way of saying it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to nourish you and your little ones. And so, um, and he comforted them. And he spake kindly yeah. unto them. He overcame evil with good. What was the key, though, in all of this? Brother Hogue has been talking about this in Sunday school. He knew his God. What helped Joseph was that he knew what God was like. He knew because I know God is in control. Because I know God is sovereign. Because I know God loves me. Because he's my friend. Because I know all these things. I'm going to be okay. When he was in prison, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And in fact, I'm going to make sure that I'm just a good testimony. I'm going to make sure that all these people know who my God is. And he just trusted the Lord with all the day-to-day stuff. And he was able to do all this because he knew something about God. Mm 
If he didn't know anything about God, then how in the world would he have been able to trust him? And we aren't going to be able to trust God if we don't know anything about him. And one of the biggest problems with Christianity today is that they say that they love Jesus, but they don't know anything about Jesus. They don't know the first thing. These, well, I won't. That doesn't have to do with my message, so. But you know what I'm talking about. We live in a Christian society that is so ignorant about God. And that's why they quake in their boots when they see what's going on in the world. They don't know how this whole thing plays out. It's given to us in the Word of God how it's going to end up. But they're all frantic and panicking. Listen, we should be able to know who God is. And Joseph knew his God. He had a personal relationship with his God. And that is what enabled him to overcome evil with good. And then the next person I want to consider is David. We'll be looking at him in our series also. But David, he overcame evil with good many times throughout his life. We don't have enough time to go through and look at all the times he overcame evil with good. In the first instance, if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25... um, The first instance that I'm going to look at, we don't really see exactly what he did in overcoming evil with good. Other than sometimes the good that we do is in not taking action and just turning it over to God. That is doing good. And, and trust in the Lord with the result. That's what David does in this instance. But in this passage, we see some of God and who he is. And how what enabled David to, to turn this whole bad situation over to God was in what he knew about God. So 2 Samuel chapter 25, verse 30, uh, 29. Uh, this is Abigail speaking. And uh, as a little background... Um, David's men, they were on the run from Saul. They're having to live in the wilderness. And they had been helping, uh, they had been helping some shepherds out there take care of sheep. And had been, they were military men, so they were protecting and, and so forth. And uh, um, David ended up needing some, some help, some supplies. And it was time for shearing. And uh, Abigail's husband, Nabal, he, um, he was a, a brutish man, a man of no understanding selfish um, and so forth and he just gave David absolutely wouldn't give him the time of day didn't recognize what he had done who's David that I should care about him David was so angry at this disrespect that he was going to go kill Nabal and all his men and he could do it he had I think it was 400 men with him they were all armed and it's armed and it says and David strapped on his sword and his men with him and they were going to go take out Nabal for just disrespecting. And uh, oh, but this woman, Nabal's wife, confronts him. And then she says, Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. That was Saul. But the soul, notice this, the soul of my Lord, that is David, shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall God sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning me. See, David had some promises. David was going to be ruler of the land. He had been anointed to be king. He was just waiting his time. He was properly waiting for God to take care of Saul. He was being patient. 
And, uh, oh, and Abigail is, is pointing these things out, that you have some promises concerning you. And so it says, um, and shall have appointed thee to be ruler of Israel. When all this takes place, she says, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offensive heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Something that just jumped out to me here as I was just reading this, it's not in my notes, but David listened to this woman recognizing that God had sent her. That's important. It is important for us to recognize when another brother, when the preacher, when the deacon, when someone who loves the Lord in our life comes to us and says, hey brother, listen, what you're about to do is really wrong. You need to trust the Lord. You need to take a time out. What you're about to go say to those people or what you are about to do is going to cause great damage. And we should actually have respect for that and recognize, I think the Lord sent this person to me. <laughs> and that's what David did here. He recognized, hmm, the Lord sent this woman to me to stop me from avenging myself with mine own hand. We know what the outcome of this story was. Nabal dies from what we would call natural causes. That's all we can see is what happens to a person, right? We, we call it, you know, natural causes. He died of a heart attack, a stroke, whatever. But if we read in the passage, it says in verse 38, and it came to pass about 10 days later, it sure didn't take long for God to take care of things, did it? That the Lord smote Nabal that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, that he hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. The Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. Man, don't we need God to step in sometimes and stop us oh, yes. from sinning yes. and doing really stupid things? Yes. David recognizes it was God. God stopped me from wickedness. And, uh, um, and so he says, um, the Lord had, pastor was talking this morning about how we have an advocate. We have someone who is there for us, who is praying for us, who, who is our pre high priest. And listen, the Lord loves us and he cares about us. And, and he steps in. Sometimes we, he allows us to go ahead and, and sin and, and do what we're doing. But sometimes what we're about to do is so, so outrageous that God has to stop in and just stop that situation. Or God puts that Christian person, and how God stopped him was he put this child of God, Abigail, in his path. And that's how God can stop us sometimes. God can stop us dead in our tracks by the preacher in the pulpit. And so, um, anyway, he can do it through his word. Um, he can speak to us when we're praying and so forth, but God has his way of stopping us from wrecking our life. Um, what a disaster it would have been had David taken revenge. 
And this is, he moves through his life. You know how many times the things that seem so major today, after God gets done working everything out and, and God blesses and we move on through our life, and then we look back at it 10, 15, 20 years later, and we look back at what happened, and it seemed like the end of the world, and it really was just a bump in the road. It was really just a lesson. I mean, we look back and we go, it was just a lesson. God was trying to teach me something. It wasn't even that big a deal. And so um, what a wonderful thing it is how God works with us. And so um, another time that David um, overcame evil with good was when he had all his possessions stolen. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 26. But David... Remember when he was going to go and he was going to fight. He's living in the land of the Philistines. And he was going to go have to fight against Israel on behalf of the Philistines. And he was on his way to do it. But once again, God stopped it. And uh, he returned back to where he was living in the land of the Philistines. And when he got there, the enemy, some enemies had come in knowing that the Philistine army was gone. And they came in and they burned the Ziklag with fire and they took David and all his men, took their wives and their possessions and everything. David recovered it. And I want us to notice what he did with all that he got, all the spoils um, from that recovery. Instead of keeping it for himself, he gave it away. He gave it away. First Samuel chapter 30 and verse 26. Uh, it says, and when David came to Ziklag, this is after he got back from recovering everything, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to them which were in Bethel, and to them which were in South Ramoth, and to them which were in Jatar, and to them which were in Aror, and to them which were in Sifmoth, and to them which were in Eshtemoah, and to them which were in Rakal, and to them which were in the cities of the Jeremielites, and to them which were in the cities of the Kenites, and to them which were in Hormah, and to them which were in Chorashan, and to them which were in Athach, and to them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. But he, I mean, out of all these places that he had friends and people who had helped him. He didn't keep the spoils for himself. He turned it over and gave it to help those who had helped him. And so uh, um, repeatedly, though, throughout David's life, he overcame evil uh, with good. The primary person I want to look at who overcame evil with good and was the example for us is Christ. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We have a really, really good example on how we ought to be with other men as the children of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, Who did no, speaking of Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. 
Isn't that what Joseph did? Isn't that what David did? Isn't that what all the people of God are supposed to do? You're suffering. You're enduring persecution. Whatever it is. Commit yourself to him that judgeth righteously. Vengeance belongs unto the Lord. He loves me. He'll take care of it. This is what Christ did. Christ could have called down 10,000 angels. He could have just destroyed everyone with the word of his mouth. But he threatened not. When he was being beaten, when they were putting the crown of thorns on him, when they were doing everything that they were doing to him, he could have been telling them, don't you know what I'm going to do unto you once I rise from the dead? He could have been threatening them with the worst possible things. He didn't. He, 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 when he suffered, he threatened not. That's what the natural man does. You're going to hurt me? I'm going to hurt you ten times worse. Mm-hmm. And we threaten, even if we can't make good on the threats. We just threaten and we lash out. But he committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live righteous or live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye, are, ye were healed. In this, we have who his own self, in case you're thinking that those people who reviled him were horrible, and those people who hurt him were terrible, it says in this passage that he actually died for our sins. That's an important thing to stop and look at. Because Christ died for all of our offenses against him. Yes, Yes, they were offending him, but he died for our offenses. Mm -hmm. And so um, when he was there on the cross, and those who walked by, they wagged their heads and reviled him. Matthew 27 says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. This is what Pastor was pointing out in the Psalms. This was prophesied of in the Psalms, as was mentioned this morning. I mean, how precise and how exact that it would be said so many hundreds of years prior what Christ would do, what Christ would suffer for us, it's written in the Psalms, and in Isaiah and so forth. And then Peter is looking back to it, saying, this is what they did to him. And uh, just reviling him and blaspheming, if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. But notice this, Jesus overcame evil with good. In such a profound way in the ultimate sense in what in the work that he did on the cross in dying for our sin in rising from the dead in paying the penalty for our sin he overcame evil with good he overcame satan i mean he overcame evil with the good that he did on our behalf as it says in this passage who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live righteous, uh, should live unto righteousness. But oh, not only was it in the ultimate sense that he overcame evil with good, but think about just even while he was hanging on the cross. While he was hanging on the cross, um, he prayed. 
for those who were offending him. He literally said, Father, forgive them. In Luke it says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then, oh, to the thieves on the cross. He actually was in the process of still saving. He was in the process of saving in that moment, dealing one-on-one with the salvation of a person. He, the, the, the dying thief who had a conversation it's, a, it's an amazing thing how the thief was able to look at the Son of Man who was in the act of dying, and yet that thief believed that he was the Son of God, and how the thief, God, God could make him be able to see that the man in the act of dying, who actually died before he did, was the Son of God, and that this thief would say, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I mean, the work of salvation that God was work, that Jesus Christ himself was working out on the cross in the heart of this one person while he was dying for me. Think about that. While he was dying for the sins of those he came to save in the history of the world, he was working out the salvation in a one-on-one basis with another human being who was also dying. How big is Jesus Christ? How, how mighty is he as a savior to be able to die for our sins at the very time that he is soul winning <laughs> and praying for all those people who are reviling him? Yes, yes. What an amazing thing. What it, it's an example is what it is. It's an example for us as to how we should be. It's also really quite a contrast to the great links that we fail in how we live in this world and how we're supposed to. And then on a personal level, as we consider what Christ has done for us, how he overcame evil with good. When you consider before we were saved, and of course if a person is not yet saved, they are an offense to God. But we were just a complete offense to God. Everything about us. We were at enmity with Christ. Oh, before we were saved, we spent our lives rejecting God. And rejecting. I don't know about you, but I mean, some people hear the gospel and they're saved the first time they hear the gospel and they know very little about it. I mean, they really do. Um, Paul would go into a city like Athens and preach on Mars Hill and it says, and there was a few that believed. I mean, how often do we see that? that The gospel's preached for the first time to someone who's never even heard of Jesus and they believe. But God can do that. But for me, I could speak for me that before I was saved, I spent my life just rejecting God and rejecting God and rejecting God and service growing up in church, service after service, message after message. I hated songs like Just As I Am and, and uh, Almost Persuaded and, and so forth. I mean, invitations were horrible. How, many, how much rejection, how much rebellion, how much going in the opposite direction and blaspheming, cursing, living in rebellion... 
how we all lived before we were saved. Even if you repented the first time you, you heard the gospel, everything you did in your life was a flat out offense yes. to God. Yes. He hated it. He's disgusted by it because he's holy. And, oh, and yet, he overcame evil with good. I mean, overcame it. And uh, Romans 5, 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, I mean, if you stop and think about it, while you're in the process of, I mean, he's in the business of saving sinners while they are in the process of sinning against him. I mean, they're literally in the act, in the process, in the way of living, and yet he saves them. He overcomes evil with good in that way. And it says, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so we've been saved from wrath. We were facing wrath. I mean, we were in we were in some real peril. And we've been saved from wrath through him. And so throughout his life. While he was here, Christ overcame evil with good. Throughout it, over and over and over, if you read, when you read, overcoming evil with good, overcoming evil with good, they would, the Pharisees would come and they would try to falsely accuse him and he would come back and speak the truth. Satan tried to tempt him and he quoted the word of God. I mean, you just go on and on and on. Every single time um, he overcame evil with good. But I love this aspect that he's still overcoming evil with good. He's still overcoming evil with good. And he's going to overcome evil with good. I can't wait for the day that he comes back. Oh, yes. And he takes care of all the political mess. He takes care of all the violence. He takes care of all that. And he's going to be king. And, uh, oh, what a wonderful thing it is. I want to finish with one more person now as we enter into the church age if you will after Christ ascended one more person think of Stephen in his final words as he's as his enemies as the word of God says we're to bless our enemies we're to pray for them that wrongfully use us and abuse us and so forth And Stephen, in his final words, as his enemies stoned him for preaching the gospel. In Acts 7.60 it says, And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice. And this really reminds me of Christ's words on the cross as he was dying. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen, he's in the process of dying at the hands of these lawless They unjustly were stoning him. They had no right to just take him outside the city in a mob mentality and stone him. And uh, they were doing it in the name of God. Um, But he says he cried with a loud voice saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. 
He was more concerned about them than he was with himself. He knew his God. He knew where he was going. He had already said what he, what he saw in heaven. He saw Christ in heaven. And, uh, oh, but in his dying moment, he was concerned with his enemies. He was concerned with their eternal judgment. He was saying, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Well, guess what? There were some people there, probably multiple peoples, but there was one person in particular. The Lord did not lay that to his charge. Paul was standing there in charge of the whole operation, and the Lord forgave Paul of that horrible sin of killing one of his people. And so Stephen's prayer was answered. Paul will never have to answer for being in charge of the stoning of Stephen. It is important that we are concerned with our testimony. It is important that regardless of the situation we find ourselves in, we are thinking about the Lord first and ourselves second. And we need to overcome evil with good. Who killed Jesus? Or who killed um, who killed Stephen? It was the Jews. The Jews killed Stephen. Religious leaders of that day. After or in the early church, <clears throat> the Jews were the ones who were the main enemies of the church, the main enemies of Christ. Everywhere Paul went, even in Gentile countries, it was the Jews in the synagogues. And it was the Jews who were stirring up the Gentiles. Usually, other than like Philippi and so forth, but it was usually the Jews who were stirring things up. The enemies of Christ. But then, it changed. And then, who in church history, who ended up being the enemies of the people of God the most? It was the pagans. It was the pagans. Uh, the, in the Roman Empire, the pagan emperors and the pagans and so forth. And then eventually it became the false form of Christianity, the Catholics, but before it was really the Roman Catholic Church, there was already uh, uh, forms of Christianity. I think of the Donatists and so forth who were being persecuted and, and killed, not by so much by the Church of Rome, but they were in North Africa. They were being killed by other Christians. Isn't it amazing? Augustine, that great heretic who wrote all this paper or all these writings on the justification of killing, you know, the enemies of Christ if they deemed him as heretics and so forth. But then after then it was the Catholics. And then we move on to today. I'm I'm trying to get us to think about who we might think of as our enemies. Today, well, in the Earlier in the 1900s and still somewhat today, but communism, communists killed so many Christians, Mm -hmm. the enemies of Christ. When I read of um, that man, oh, who was the Russian evangelist, Um, but he went into, uh, yeah, Fettler and in Russia and uh, um, and the other country where he went, um, it's Lithuania or I can't remember anyway, Um, but just thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were saved and then once communism came in they were all just hauled off to the gulag 
They were so many of them were executed and killed. And my point is that the enemies of Christ come in in many different shapes. All lost people are the enemies of Christ, but there are actually organized systems, whether religious or secular, that are the enemies of Christ. The actual enemies, well, they will come and they will arrest you and they will persecute and kill and torture. And today what's becoming more and more prevalent is Islam. And Islam is the enemy of Christ in an actual physical active way. So here's the thing. Do we recompense evil for evil? Or do we pray for those that persecute us? Do we, do we desire to see these people saved? Um, there's one more verse here that I wanted to share. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 5.44, and he knew, he knew what his disciples were going to have to face in the early church days. He knew. And he said, I say unto you, love your enemies. That's a hard thing to do. Love your enemies. They're my enemies. They're the enemies of Christ. Why should I love the enemies of Christ? Well, for starters, you used to be an enemy of Christ. I used to be an enemy of Christ. If God, we always need to remember, if God could save me, then he can save that enemy of Christ. Even if that enemy of Christ is persecuting me. Love your enemies. And uh, bless them that curse you. That's a tough one. Do good to them that hate you. And pray. We see all of this in Christ, what I mentioned earlier. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That is despitefully use you and persecute you. And so we need to be Christ-like. Be not overcome of evil because we are susceptible to being overcome of evil. And Paul's warning us, don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to understand that there is a fine line here. We are not to be victims. We are not to just be fatalistic. We are not to be quitters. We are not to be apathetic when we are attacked. Don't go lay down in a corner. Don't go hide yourself off in a cabin up in the mountain somewhere, as lovely as that sounds. Don't don't run from your problems. But be an overcomer. And to be an overcomer requires action. And if you're going to do good, you're going to have to do something. And so to overcome evil with good means we have to be active. The Christian life is a life of action. To overcome evil with good is not passive. I think too many people think that as Christians, the key is just to be nice. And just to, you know, if you're confronted, just, if if you run into opposition, just, just be quiet, hide in the corner, and hopefully it'll all go away. But that's not how we're supposed to be. We need to be concerned about our testimony. We need to be, uh, live a Christian life that is out of action. And we need to, to overcome evil with good is not passive. It's overcoming evil with good. It's not the easy path, but it's the right path. And so I want to reread this passage then once again. If we go back to Romans chapter 12, and I'll just close with the reading of this passage. Romans chapter 12, 
verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I pray this message will be a help to you in your Christian walk.